go. Hello, everyone. I'm Ryan Knight, and I am joined, as always, by my brother, Bo Knight. And today, we are here to look at the audiobook for The Hobbit. And uh, before we get into that, just uh, in case anybody wants to get a hold of us, you guys can uh, shoot us our first email over at kotpl.pod at gmail.com. Get a hold of us on Twitter at Pageless Library. Uh, I got some stuff up on YouTube over there, Knights of the Pageless Library, and Facebook at Knights of the Pageless Library. And with that, we will uh, we'll jump right into this one. Well, let's. So, so where did we listen to this one first, Ryan? As I know, it's not a spoiler, but it's like, of course, we're listening on Audible. Like, right. To yeah. me, you're you're a scrub if you listen on to books any other way, and if you're trying to steal them, that like genuinely makes me feel bad. So don't do yeah. that. Right. Yeah, we uh, you know, we try to keep this pretty kosher. We we pay for all the uh, books that we listen to, so I mean, we feel like that gives us at least a small bit of right to be critical about them because at least we you know we paid them i mean tolkien's not around to collect but dude he's gonna come out of his grave <laughs> yeah because they're gonna put so much money on him it's gonna bring him back to life <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> his tomb is just full of gold coins at this point <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, we're going to be talking about The Hobbit, which is written by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, the book, the original book itself, it actually has a few different publication dates, and I think you had those pulled up, didn't you, Bo? It wasn't like 1937? Yeah, yeah the, the first time it was published was 21st of September, 1937. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a uh, a bit older. I mean, obviously pre-world war ii and stuff and that's but yeah that's i don't know i mean we'll get into it a little bit more but i think that's kind of what makes this book very special in my opinion um yeah and i mean if you if i mean we could talk about the author but if you don't know who he is i mean where have you you been yeah you need to uh open the hatch that gets you under your rock yeah look into the daylight because yeah obviously everybody knows who who tolkien is you know lord of the rings but so the hobbit is actually the prequel essentially to the uh lord of the rings series even though um, it like doesn't really have much to i mean it has a little bit to do with the little lord of the rings but not really right well it is we'll it definitely it a, a standalone like it stands alone on its own so sure. if you don't know anything I, about this universe you don't need to be worried coming into this book no and and i mean this is getting off on a little bit of a tangent too but i mean tolkien has tons of other writings that are way lesser known than the hobbit and lord of the rings and those other writings i mean the lord of the rings is a huge series but like the silmarillion that he wrote is the one that really kind of fills out the universe and kind of leads you up to the these points of what's happening in the well-known stories the lord of the ring and the hobbit and stuff like that Who's the narrator of this, by the way? The, the narrator, his name is Rob Inglis, and he is amazing. In my oh, yeah, he does real good. So I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler because this book has some singing in it, and he actually does a great job. Yeah, I was going to touch on that too because normally if I come across singing in like a book that I'm reading, like if oh, you see it, it's easy like – Easy skip. Like just I was going to say – Exactly. You just like, yeah, if it's through the rest of the page, you just turn the page, you just continue reading. But 
in audio form, the fact that he does it and he does it well, just, I mean, that, that says a lot. I mean, that's awesome. So yeah, he does a really good job. Yeah. And he is mostly, um, known pretty much for, he read also the Lord of the Rings trilogy for, uh, recorded books. And he does an amazing job in those as well. I mean, I just think his voice, they couldn't have picked a vet, a better voice to voice like these characters in these books, especially. Yeah, I agree. He really does kind of set the, set the tone with that, but, um, yeah. So definitely highly recommended due to the narrator, especially. So, um, this book is obviously, this is a high fantasy book. I mean, this is all fantasy pretty much. We're talking dwarves, elves, hobbits, dragons. It doesn't get any more high fantasy than this. Um, and so, I mean, if you're not into high fantasy, don't don't even crack the first page because... Oh, yeah. If you don't like elves and wizards, it's like, right. this is not think, for you. If you think that's nerdy stuff, which I definitely do not... But, I mean, I think it's dirty it, stuff, but I'm into it. Right, yeah. Well, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, but this is, like, the highest fantasy you're going to get, and a lot of people have said he kind of sets the bar for fantasy because oh, he, he kind does. of... Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think this, anybody's even come close since. No, and... And it seems like... I, I Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I have just, like, an idea that I no, have no. right now is that he... He, like, has really set up the whole fantasy, like, I feel like all the, like, tropes, he basically did them all first. And I feel sure. like everybody else is just copying him now. No, and that's, there's been a lot of things that have, that have said that. I mean, basically what people have said is, like, without Tolkien, you know, um, uh, Game of Thrones would not exist. Like, th- th- it's highly unlikely that and I don't know George R.R. R. Martin, and I know that he writes great stories, but it's highly unlikely that he would have come up with some of the concepts that he did that made his story so great without these stories existing that Tolkien came up with. And the thing about Tolkien is Tolkien heavily draws on like old mythology, and then he spins it with his own tale. So he's not, by no means was he creating 100% original stories, but he was taking stories from so many different places and bringing them all together in this one world. That's what makes his stories so unique, basically. Well, and the thing that kind of blows my mind is like the amount of consistency he has about like you know like mentioning these people over here that do this, and then they interact with those people and they like behave the way that he already talked about like a long time ago. Yes, and he's he is in like the amount of detail actually in in even just the Hobbit is insane to me. Right, right, um, and the Hobbit that so you know segue 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 moving forward a little bit uh. The Hobbit is relatively the shortest of most of these stories. The Hobbit's only 11 hours long. Um, it, it's 11 hours, but to me, it seemed like it went quick. It One, it went quick, and two, tons of information crammed into 11 hours. Tons like, of information, tons of action, tons of, like, even, like, boring bits, like, you know, like, mundane stuff, like, everything. It seems like there was everything. It was it's right. kind of... It's yeah, I don't know. I I think that's what kind of impresses me about this book too is that he told so much story in 11 hours 
that most books would struggle to tell in like a Game of Thrones 40 hour book. Like he did it. And the, the reason is, I know you said there's some boring parts and we'll get to well, it a little after the spoiler wall. Boring. Like there are just like some, some situations that they're in that are not all that interesting. No. And, but like there are things that led them up to have to deal with that. Right. And, and that's what I was going to say is they he justified them so well, like they they needed to be there to progress the story and he didn't dwell on them like I'll, I'll we'll talk about a little bit after the spoiler wall, which we'll cross the spoiler wall here real quick. So I'll get the other stuff out of the way. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this one. If nobody could tell, that's why I'm kind of going off on a tangent already. Um, <laughs> I yes, I will admit to that. And I am not ashamed of that. You shouldn't be. Um. Uh, so right now, I what I'm seeing on Audible is that this book is like twenty eight dollars. Uh, Bo said he's seen something else, and there's a couple different renditions of it on Audible. So to be clear, we are listening to the recorded books version. That's and I think and even they have recorded books has two. They have a dramatized one too. I mean, yes. I, don't, I probably wouldn't like that, but your mileage the, uh, with that sure. The dramatized one is only four hours long. Oh, so. really? Yes. So Did it come knows? out after the movies? Uh, I don't know. Let me look real quick. It came out. Uh, I'm not seeing it on here, so I don't want to dwell too much on it. Oh, it looks like maybe probably before the movies, I'm going to guess. It does seem like that. I can't I can't see a freaking well, release date. It definitely would have come out before the Hobbit movie. That's right. for sure. Maybe not. Maybe after Lord of the Rings, but before but, the Hobbit. Yeah, that, I was. I didn't even mean Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, definitely before the Hobbit. So maybe that's where they were getting that from. Um, I also see too that um, um, recorded books has two. Oh no, maybe not. Rob Inglis. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm looking at this all wrong. Basically, there's two versions of The Hobbit you can get on Audible, and they're both read by Rob Inglis. So, but the one we listened to was the recorded books one. This other one I'm looking at that is also by Rob Inglis is only seventeen dollars. So, that's not uh, bad. No, and I had this one on our wish list, and I snatched this one up for like four bucks. So, it went on like super sale. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna uh, give my recommendation. Uh, if you like high fantasy, you have to listen to this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you if if you're anyone who is into like like we said, dwarves, elves, dragons, any of it, I mean, you you have to listen to this for sure. And this this is a relatively, I would say for sure, because I've listened to the first two books of the Lord of the Rings as well. This. This is a great entry point because this one is far easier to follow than those ones are. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think the pacing is about perfect. Sure. I think the pacing in this one is excellent, actually. And like you said, it might kind of dip a little bit and you might, you know, I found myself daydreaming a little bit, but then it picks it right back up. Like he, that's what I said. He doesn't dwell on the boring parts. Like well, other and- books I know that kind of, go into way too much detail about a little trip that they, you know, their walk through the forest. Like he doesn't dwell on stuff like that. And I mean, the, like the narrator does come out and say like, this something, something happened here, but I'm not going to dwell on it. 
Yeah, and we should mention that that how this how this story is told is this is very much centered around the Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, but this is definitely like a narrator reading a book to you, and it breaks the fourth wall all the time, where yeah. the narrator is talking directly to you as the reader, or if you are reading it, it's like you're reading someone's journal. So, right. like Bo said, there's a lot of... Uh, they were there for three days, but we're not going to talk about what happened in those three days. Like, he yeah. just skips it all together. And I thought that was actually very interesting. And I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but there, there, I think it does some really... Like, this is, to me, like, breaking the, the fourth wall, like, in the best way. Sure. Instead, instead of being like, nudge, nudge, I know I'm a book. Ha <laughs> ha, isn't that funny? I know I am thing. Right. It, it, it like, he, he, like, gives you more depth to the story. Just, like, the little... The little bit of information that he does tell you is kind of interesting sometimes, right? But so yeah, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, did you recommend this bad boy? Yeah, I think he did. So oh yeah, just like, go straight into spoilers. Yeah, I think so. Like, like we said, we're going to talk about spoilers right now. Um, if you have not listened to or read the book, please go do that and then come back. And now, if you see hear- the movies too, and, and and you're like, oh, I know the Hobbit, I could skip it. You don't, don't, please, don't even yes. think you do. Please still go get this book. By all means, please get this book. Do yourself yeah. a favor and get the book. George R.R. R. Tolkien's tomb is not completely filled with gold coins yet, so you need to go buy it. <laughs> and so yeah, let's go yeah, right into the that, spoilers. Let's, uh, let's pass the spoiler wall and we'll start talking about the story. So where does the story open up? This one it, opens, it opens up, up with... Uh, Bilbo, he's just like chilling, smoking his pipe, right? And yeah, then, this one opens up in a hole in the ground, man. Right, and it, That's, and <laughs> I love the way that it kind of like describes the hobbits and like how they live, but they're not like dirty, they're clean people, but they just like to hide away. Yeah, they live in a hole in the ground, but it's not a dirty hole. Yeah, it's a, it's a clean underground dwelling with a nice round door. And I I love how he kind of like when you when you kind of interact with a different race of not race what are they called like oh my god like the hobbits like what are they um they're halflings so I, I know, guess but they like, are it, that is their race I mean is it they're, race they're, they're kind of, they're like a subspecies kind of of humans because yeah. they're like they're like really small humans kind of but they're yeah. I mean they're hobbits that's what they are they're halflings. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the way to describe, like, because, like, the dwarves, like, I love when you when you interact with the dwarves, and he kind of gives you, like, a brief history of the dwarves and, like, how they would act. Sure. And he, he I, think, I like he like when he does that, like, whenever you in, encounter a new race or whatever. Oh, sure. Is. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, he does a great job of that. And so, yeah, like, right when we open up with these hobbits, he gives us a real quick very precise uh you know backstory on a hobbit so you know what a hobbit is it, and i i very much appreciated that because obviously coming into this you know i knew what a hobbit was and whatever but i do love that he gives you that real quick precise background story just in case you didn't know what a hobbit is he tell you in like i don't know probably 10 minutes or less like yeah so yeah, so, so our, the book the book opens up with Bilbo. He's just smoking his pipe, and he he's like thinking about having breakfast or something, because he that's like all hobbits love to do is eat. It seems like, and 
Gandalf like rolls up on him and he's like, I'm looking for somebody to have an adventure. And he's like, you're not, well, not me. And he's like, you know what? Maybe it will be you. Yeah. And Bilbo is absolutely like, no, I don't want to go on any adventures. He said, nobody goes on adventures around here. You know, hobbits, hobbits aren't big on adventures. And uh, Gandalf, the wizard is like, he's like, no, come on. You know, your ancestors used to go on adventures all the time. And Bilbo's like, well, we don't do that anymore. Have a good day. Like, basically just dismisses this ultra-powerful, known-around-the-world wizard <laughs> immediately. He wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, but then, so Bilbo goes back inside. Then Gandalf, he, like, goes up and writes, like, a secret rune on the door and leaves. Yeah, and, and Gandalf leaves, right? And so later that night... No, Bilbo... wait, we forgot, because Bilbo invited him over for tea. And he was like, why did I do that? I don't even want that guy at my house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And so later that night, uh, uh, Bilbo gets a knock on his door. And he goes to the door, and there's a dwarf standing there. And Bilbo's like, "Um, you know, can I help you? He's like, I'm here for the meeting. He's like, what are you talking about? And And he just lets himself into his house. Yeah, the dwarf just lets himself in. And we're not even going to try to do names for the dwarfs because – there's a lot of them, and their names are all very rhymy and similar, and we will just butcher it. So I don't even want to try. <laughs> yeah, I'm not because I'm not going to remember. It's too right. hard to keep them straight. We'll give you the one, the the leader here in just a minute because that one's easy to remember. So yeah, basically the whole over the whole evening, like a bunch more dwarves show up, and every, every time he hears a knock at the door, he's expecting Gandalf, but he just keeps being more dwarves, and he like finds himself like actually being a really good host to them, and he doesn't even know why. He's like, I don't really know why I'm giving these people my food, but... Oh well. Yeah, and, and by lots of dwarves, by the end of the night, he's he's up to about, what is it, like, uh, eight, I think, at one point, And then he gets another knock, and, like, five more fall in yeah. with Gandalf. Gandalf's there, too. So by the end of the night, he ends up with, like, 13 dwarves and Gandalf and himself. So you got, like, 15 people there <laughs> in his little tiny hobbit house. <laughs> yeah and so what they're they all like have dinner together and then they they clean up everything and they like actually help bilbo clean up and they like sing a little song that's kind of funny to me where they're like talking about like destroying his house like as they're yeah. cleaning up that's what bilbo baggins hates <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was and like t- the songs i i think could be a little off-putting a little bit but they actually do kind of add more lore and stuff to the story which is kind of interesting Right, and I think that's sort of what – I mean I can't obviously speak for Tolkien, but I think that's kind of what he was liking to do with the songs is basically – because, yeah, like like we said, you know, you skip over a song when you see it in a book because, you know, I'm not going to like try to read it in some sing-song voice. But in this – in audio form with someone reading it, it actually came across very well and mostly because Rob Inglis actually had the perfect voice for this. Um but it's exactly like you're saying. The songs are dipping more into the lore of who is singing them, basically, than anything, right. I think. Well, and they kind of give you a little bit of, like, a, like a, like a kind of like a snapshot of history to them. Sure. Almost. Yes, that's a, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Because, yeah, I, we, we'll get more, more songs throughout the book. And I think oh, yeah, there are exactly a ton. Right. There are a yeah. ton. Mm-hmm. I would say almost even like maybe 20% of the book is songs. 
Yeah, there's it's it's a pretty big chunk. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. So anyway, the dwarves are all there, and they're meeting there because they want to go take back their home, which I can't even remember what it's called. Well, it's um, oh man, it's in the Lonely Mountain. I can't remember the name now of the mine either. Or the town. Man, I'm terrible. A terrible so, review. So basically, they 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 had to leave their home before because there was so much gold and stuff amassed from the dwarves mining that it attracted a dragon, and the dragon had like chased them all out of their home. And Thorin, who's the leader of all the dwarves, he 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 is the rightful king to this place, and he wants to take it back. And so they're like right. going on a quest to take it back. And the reason they want Bilbo is because supposedly he is like a great burglar. Yeah, that's what Gandalf convinced them of, is that he is a burglar, and the sign, the sign that Gandalf put on his door before he left was, it said like burglar, I think. Yeah, so, I think I think it said like <laughs> burglar house. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So all the, that's how the dwarves all knew to go meet there is because, <laughs> because they had the burglar sign on his door. That's hilarious to me. Well, and he and Bilbo wasn't even gonna go, and because all the dwarves are like, "What? This guy looks like he's not gonna be able to do anything." And then he like, kind of like stands up for himself. He's like, "What? I would be more than capable of doing this for you guys." And he ends up like agreeing to it just because like his pride was hurt. Yeah, and I thought that was hilarious because at first he was like, "Absolutely not! I don't want to go on an adventure." Yeah. And then when they were like, "Well, he can't even. There's no way he'd be good anyways." He's like. Yeah, I can. I could do yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I and thought that was awesome. I, the next day, he like wakes up and he's like, "Oh, all all the dwarves. That must have been like a dream because his house is still on a nice shape." And he's like just eating breakfast. And Gandalf comes in. He's like, "You know, you only have like ten minutes to meet them, right?" Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And so then he, like, meets up with them, right? Well, he goes and Gandalf meets up with them, too. And they, like, start their journey off to go to this mountain. And, I, like, even in the beginning, it seems like they don't really know what they're going to do once they get there. Oh, no, they don't really have a clue, actually, when they're on their way. No, <laughs> they don't at all. It was actually kind of funny. Because they almost were just like, yeah, there's, you know, they were all, like, 13 buddies. And they're like, yeah, we can do this. Let's go take this, our mountain back. From a dragon. <laughs> yeah. We should mention too that like when their home was taken and to now, it's been a long time. It's been like yeah, a hundred like, years. I, I get the sense it's like been one dwarf generation, right? Yeah. Yeah, because uh Thorin's father is no longer alive, I think. Yeah. So obviously that's why he is now the rightful heir. Thorin, son of Thrain, son of Thror. Yeah, Oakenshield. I love that. Which, that's an important point that is not even in the book. So, no, <laughs> this, it's not. going back to why, like you said, even if you've seen the movie, do yourself a favor and get the book. Because that's kind of just it. The The movie, I I liked the Hobbit movies. Because they were entertaining. But without saying, you know, well, the book is better. The only the thing is, is the book is just different. And I think it's because they took a lot of liberties when they made um, the movies. It didn't need to be three movies, first of all. That's no, way too much. That was didn't. way too much. 
And so because it was three movies, they kind of added a lot of shit in that was not in the books. Well, so it, it's like each movie ends on like just a normal conflict in the book. Right. And yeah, and they add stuff and they they put characters who aren't even there in the movies yep. that that can have nothing to do with anything and they <laughs> And right. they like make it seem like there's there's this huge forbidding evil force which has nothing to do with what's going on in the book at all. No, no, it doesn't. And that's that's kind of why the book the book is just a lot more subtle. The movies yeah, were really so is. they were yeah the movies were so dramatic compared to how this book is. It was just it kind of blew my mind when I listened to the book. I was like, whoa, this is way more like mellow. Yeah, but, and, it, and it is, and I – there's a lot of subtlety too like in the things that they say when they're talking to each other. Oh, sure. Lot. Yeah. So our company is now traveling, and what is the first little thing they run across? Is it the uh, – the, the it trolls. must be the trolls. Yeah, the trolls. So yeah. while they're out, they end up – Basically getting into a conflict with some uh, trolls. These are mountain trolls. And they capture and everybody, the I think, but Bilbo, right? Yeah, the trolls c- capture all of the dwarves, and they don't capture Bilbo. And Bilbo's, like, trying to kind of help talk it, talk their way out of it, basically. And I love I love the way he does the, the uh, trolls. And I love the way they're written, too, because they're, they're pretty dumb. Oh, yeah, they're but, super dumb. Yeah, but he does a great job of making them dumb like that. And I will give them credit in the movie. They get this line correct when they ask Bilbo who he is. And he's like, I'm a a hobbit. Or he's like, I'm a fur, a burglar hobbit. And they're like, what's a fur, burglar hobbit? Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. Well, and I like, too, the way that they like end up tricking them is because the trolls stay out past the sunlight, they turn to stone, and Gandalf like shows up, and he pretends to be one of the trolls so to make yeah, them keep arguing yeah. about what to do with the people, right? and they yeah. just keep See, arguing all night, and then they and get caught by the sun. I can't believe they didn't do that in the movie, in the movie because that's yeah. a way that's a way better way to do it. Yeah, yeah Gandalf is like, just like, coming up like, and smashing this rock. I love how he like throws his voice and he basically is like, you know, no you. And they're like, what? No you. And he's yeah. like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> he's like, no, that was definitely you who said it. Yeah, it was awesome. That, that, I like that part. I mean, it, the dwarves are like helpless. <laughs> they get in they, so many jams. Yeah, they kind of are actually. And uh, Bilbo kind of realizes he has a, a very unique talent kind of from the beginning and what's funny is the unique talent of the hobbit is he can almost be undetectable without even meaning to and it's yeah. kind of it's kind well, of because people aren't used to like running into hobbits yeah and so he is so dwarves are small smaller than humans and he is even smaller than them so he's pretty small yeah, he's pretty small and the what's interesting though is like he's also very underestimated and like oh, basically yeah. nobody sees him or a hobbit in general as like a, a threat. threat yeah 
So he can almost go undetected without even really meaning to. And that's kind of how he gets away from the the uh, trolls. And that's kind of how like several of these other parts play out in which the dwarves kind of stumble into something. And Bilbo finds himself the only one not in trouble. Right. A couple different times. Sure. And I mean, I think I think we should just hit on like the high points. Like, so next, I would go to like where they're in the cave, you know. Yeah, because they go what they end up going into. They go like through the mountains, right? And well, then they it end starts up going storming the really they, bad. So they go in the cave though first. There's a troll's cave, and right, that's and where they, they like, find get some weapons, weapons and stuff. Yeah, so they and, find and a few gold that they bury. Weapons. Right, and they find a few key weapons. So Bilbo finds himself a little. What ends up? It's a knife to a normal person, but it's basically a short sword for him because he's so small. And uh, Thorin ends up taking a weapon, the Goblin Cleaver, and Gandalf is takes, it wider? Um, it is. Uh, oh man, yeah, I think so. Or is we'll, that, we'll get uh, to that in a minute. Is that Gandalf's weapon? No, Gandalf takes what Narsil. Yeah, yeah, because they don't they don't actually talk about. The, the goblins don't talk about what Gandalf has. No, because it's not as big a deal to the goblins. That's why Thorin's is known as the Goblin Cleaver because it's oh, killed. Oh, Cleaver. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the Goblin Cleaver. Yeah. Well, just because one of them's Biter and one of them's Cleaver, I think. Yeah. Anyway. So they find those weapons. They get they hit the road again. They get up in the mountains, and there ends up being like a terrible storm, right? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> So they this go into this cave. They're, they're assaulted by the hill giants too. Is that this part? Oh, yeah. But, but I mean, that that part is like, to me, that wasn't like I I didn't take that as like the hill giants were attacking them. I just took that took that as like the hill giants were just throwing rocks. That's kind of exactly what it is, and it's that's like they almost end up getting hit by like rock slides, and it's yeah. because there's giants fighting. Well, yeah, it's not nearly as dramatic is in the movies don't no. don't worry about that they're just like it's in the background sl- like throwing rocks at each other right and so you know the dwarves get close to getting hit so they go into a cave and they decide that's where they're gonna you know rest for a while and the cave ends up opening up and they end up falling into the goblins lair because it's a trap cave basically oh i didn't think they fell i thought like the back of the cave just opened up all of a sudden is that what it is? But I thought to they me, that's up... how I took it. But I mean, I could see how you would think it was like falling. But because they they come in and they just grab them all, except for Gandalf. Is that what it? Okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm I must have been crossing it with the movie because in the movie they all fall. Yeah, they fall in. But so like to to me, what happens is like a crack opens up behind them and the goblins just storm in. That's yeah. I think you're right. Actually, now that I think about it, so they don't get Gandalf. They do get Bilbo, but for a pretty short time, because Bilbo ends up falling. Right, he falls no, down. Not yet. So, like, what they they take them all and they bring them all to the Goblin King, and the Goblin King's freaking pissed off at them. He's like, "Why would you guys be in my kingdom, freaking? And you have these weapons that are like specifically made to kill goblins." He's gonna execute them all, and then Gandalf just like shows up out of nowhere and frees them all. That's and right. that's when they're running away, and Bilbo's on the back of somebody. And oh, when, they're right, away, and he, yeah. when they're running away, somebody pushes the guy that he's on the back of, and Bilbo just falls off this catwalk, like, into the black, inky blackness below them. Yeah, he falls really deep into the cave, basically. 
where, where he's like, it's so dark he can't even see anything. And this, right. this part is actually, like, legitimately, to me, kind of terrifying. It, Dude, it kind of was. And in the book, it's way... I So, to, not to keep going back to the movie, but again, way less uh, drama. And the reason is, is because in the book, our camera essentially is following Bilbo. There are very rare parts in the book compared to the movie where the camera leaves Bilbo to go be like, and by the way, all this other shit is happening. Well, what usually what it does is like it'll follow Bilbo and then Bilbo will talk to the other people and learn about what happened when he when he was away. Yeah, but it's usually a pretty quick summary. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we we fought all the goblins and sorry, man, I dropped you. That's yeah. it. That's all it is. Like there is no like, dude, and then we ran and we cut this catwalk and, it, you know, like the movie played it out so much. Yeah. So, so Bilbo's down here, right? He this is I don't really under he like finds Gollum like in this rib like lake, right? That like he, basically takes up the whole area. Like he can't go anywhere except for the lake. First thing he first thing he does though is he finds a ring. Right. That's the very first thing that happens is Bilbo finds a ring. You know, hint hint, Lord of the Rings. So he puts a string in his pocket. And then he finds that there's another creature down there with him, and this is Gollum. But it's so and, ominous because Gollum's like in a boat talking to him at first, like way away yeah, from him. And Bilbo can see Gollum's eyes, right? Because his right. eyes are so big that they like are catching any little source of light. So he can see Gollum's eyes. That's pretty much it, though. Like they describe Gollum, he's like a real slender kind of humanoid looking creepy basically the lord of the rings movie did it perfect like yeah, they nailed exactly it exactly what i i imagined him looking like yeah so um peter jackson for the lord of the rings series he nailed gollum so if anybody's wondering what gollum looks like just think of that because he nailed it so they have like a this little bit of a... with huge eyes correct <laughs> a method who's been living in a cave yeah yeah so he's like all gray so they have a little bit of an exchange because basically Gollum's like, oh, I'm going to eat you. And Bilbo's like, whoa, no, don't eat me. Let me go. And yeah, but I mean, like, it's kind of like the way that they talk about it, I think, is really like elegant because like they, you know, they kind of like spit some questions back and forth. And then Gollum like kind of reveals he's like, yeah, I want to kill you and eat you. Yeah. Yeah. Because Gollum's like, oh, I want to play a game. Basically, let's. uh Let's tell riddles to each other, and then whoever Which can is, solve a riddle loses. But like the the riddle game is like a kind of well established thing in this world, and there are like ed, there's like etiquette there's to etiquette. the rules that you would there's, like to the yeah. riddles you would tell and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think it's actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, and th this is actually one of the my my favorite parts. And so they kind of go back and forth, telling some really cool riddles. By yeah. the way. And uh, basically, um, Bilbo has to, like, trump uh, Gollum because Gollum's getting frustrated. So and Bilbo's kind of getting more and more scared because he's stuck, like you said, in the pitch black with this creature that basically reveals, like, if you lose, I'm going to eat you. That's what I'm going to do. 
And I love how, like, as the game is going on, Gollum is getting closer and closer to Bilbo the whole time. Right. And Bilbo can't, like I said, Bilbo can only see his eyes. That's it. Yeah. So by the end of it, Bilbo basically kind of cheats and he says, what do I have in my pocket? Well, Gollum can't guess that. And then Gollum freaks out because he loses. And he's basically like, uh, you know, says that Bilbo cheated. And he says, I'll be back. And Gollum leaves because Gollum's going to go get his ring. Well, now he can't find his ring. And so he really starts to freak out because he thinks now Bilbo has his ring. And then Bilbo puts the ring on, right, at that point. And then all of a sudden Bilbo can see in the dark, like perfectly see in the dark now once he puts the ring on. And that's what allows him to. Gollum thinks that Bilbo knows the way out and left. And so Gollum, like, accidentally leads Bilbo to the exit. Right, because Bilbo doesn't realize right away that once he put that ring on, yeah, he's, he's also invisible. invisible. Right. So that's exactly what happens is that Gollum's like, oh, he knows how to leave. So he starts running towards – and Gollum always talks to himself. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't do any thinking in his head. He's talking to himself because he essentially has a split personality. And – this is where we get the the precious and that kind of stuff with the the one ring because see and this is something I didn't understand about the movies but I think the book makes it a little bit more clear so the ring makes anybody who wears it invisible yes see it, like in the in the movie they didn't really like I didn't really understand like what happened when Sauron put on the ring well but... Sauron would be like the one exception because like in the in the Lord of the Rings movies you see him wearing it just out you know yeah and, and that's what I didn't understand because right. like. I didn't understand if it made him invisible or what. I think the whole point is because no one else can essentially harness the power of the ring besides Sauron. Sauron. So, so like anyone else, any mortal or anything who puts it on, they just turn invisible. That's all that happens. So what happens when Sauron puts it on? He, dude, you've seen it. He just he starts just, smashing people with his mace. Say, he just starts beating ass. <laughs> so he just gets like more powerful overall. Yeah, and he already is like huge, you know. He like is like twice as big as a normal human or anything. And I so don't. Is he human? No, he's not. And I'd have to go back in. This is where like the Silmarillion kind of fills this stuff in. Okay. And I so Sauron is sim- a similar being to like what Gandalf is. Oh, so he's kind of like a wizard. Not even like a wizard. So, without getting too far off topic, the Silmarillion and a couple of the other books really fill in the hierarchy of how this world works starting with literal gods down to like it goes gods it goes the beings that created these gods and what? then the beings that follow or not sorry not the beings that created the gods the beings the gods created okay i was going to say uh there's the wiki for this stuff is huge because of that and sauron is basically one of these beings that was created Similar to Gandalf, Gandalf is one of the five, only five wizards that were created. And you could kind of think of them as like angels and demons is what this world. Oh, I never even thought about it like that. Same with the Balrog. The Balrog is something that was created. And there's not just one Balrog. This is the third age we're in. You have to remember that this, this and this and the Lord of the Rings take place in the third age. So things like Gandalf, the Balrog, Sauron, and stuff, I believe were created in the 
first or second age because there was the Balrogs were literal like generals in armies at one point. Same with the dragons. There were more than one dragon before in this universe and they used to fight with each other like they as armies and stuff. So this world as people think that you know that George R. R. Martin created a huge world with um the uh Game of Thrones, which he did. I'm not taking that away from him. The thing about Tolkien, people underestimate how much Tolkien created because people only know the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. And you get a lot in those, but he literally was like, oh, well, now I have elves. Well, now I got to figure out where elves came from. And he went back and he he tells all that in other books. He tells you where everything comes from and why See, it that's exists. That's crazy to me, and I'm really interested in all that now, actually. Yeah, I am too. I really want to get the Silmarillion and listen to the Silmarillion because I think out of all the books, that's the one that most establishes like what's happening because it takes place during like the first and second age instead of the third age. And one thing I appreciate about this book is like they get they get in these sticky situations like right here where they lose their horses and stuff. They don't like that doesn't immediately get remedied for them. Like they have no. to actually struggle when they have no food, no like no horses, no weapons like sure. It's, it's I like that. Yeah, I thought that was a, I thought that was cool too. So he doesn't skip out on those little details like that. Right. So, so so Bilbo goes invisible and he like sneaks back up on the dwarves and he like just pops up back in their camp and he's like he's like what's up guys? <laughs> and so the dwarves now are on the other side of the mountain we should mention. So it right. does further their progress into where they're trying to go. This this little chase scene they went through actually helps because then they can cut straight through the mountain and they end up on the other side. And when they get to the other side, now the the goblins don't follow them out, but now there's a, a bunch of wolves outside. Right. Like like huge, rabid, mean wolves that are like, oh, you know, we want to kill you guys too, basically. Well, because Gandalf can talk to them. Yeah, Gandalf can talk to the wolves. <clears throat> See, and there's so much more established in the book than the movie, and that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. It's just for anyone curious about like, the wolves in the movie look different peter jackson gets this correct because these are not the these are wargs but they're not the same wargs as like the bread wargs in right, they, like, the later ride. books yeah these are like feral wargs essentially right and they have they have like intelligence and they can yes talk. they right they can talk they can communicate and there's like hundreds of them when we get to this part it's not like in the movie where you know, since Azog is not a real thing in this, they <laughs> he's not there. It's just wolves. Right. Essentially, it plays out is the wolves are like, yeah, we're going to kill you guys. You know, we're well, wolves. They we're get them up eat. in a tree. And yeah, and the, wolf, the dwarves all run up in the trees, and Gandalf starts doing some magic, and he lights. They nailed that in the movie. He lights pine cones on fire, and he starts throwing them down, and he starts lighting wolves on fire down on the ground. Right. And... The fire catches, and someone way off in the distance can see it, and that happens to be the Great Eagles. Right. And this makes so much more sense in the book, like, why they don't just take them all the way, because they don't. Yes. Thank you, yes. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you caught on to that, too. Well, because I so remember the watching Eagles, the movie, the... and I was like, 
Dude, why do the Eagles just take him to the end? This is dumb. Zero out of five. Everybody says that, too. Everybody says that. Like, yeah. why don't the Eagles just freaking take them well, all because the way? they don't even it, explain know. it, that the Eagles can talk and, like, they actually communicate with them. And the Eagles, it's not, they're not just giant Eagles. They are a race of beings yeah. in this world. They are their own thing in this world. Yeah. And so essentially what happens is the giant Eagles come in, they swoop down, they they scatter all the wolves, and then they, they grab Gandalf and the dwarves and Bilbo, and they take them back to their home. They don't just take them and drop them off, because in this, Gandalf didn't really just ask for their help. They just came and helped. Yeah, and, because, and they like, owed, but they owed, they owed Gandalf, right? Yes, exactly. And they don't explain what Gandalf did for them. It's just like, yeah, they owed me a favor. That's the that's the really cool thing about Tolkien's books is just like that. He's not going to explain that part, but you know, there's way more surrounding this interaction with Gandalf and these eagles than is can be told in probably a single book, like. <laughs> Right. So the so Eagles, the, take, the them eagles back to their... take them all the way, though, because like it's dangerous to fly that far, and they have like enemies that will try to, to hurt them, and they're like, we're not going to put ourselves in danger for you guys, sorry. No, and they basically say, we're going to... Sorry for anyone who can hear that, my three-year-old's yelling at my door. Um, the Eagles basically say, too, like, uh, we have like a certain distance, we'll fly from our home, and that's it. So yeah. sorry, we're not gonna. No, we're not gonna leave that area. Well, just and they, for I think you. they even say like we owed you Gandalf, but we didn't owe you that much. Exactly. Yeah, there is no like. Plus, they they essentially too say like we brought you back here, and they put them in prison. By the way, when they yeah, first they get them back, it's not like a. It's not like all the movies where they just bring them back and they drop them perfectly, and it all worked out just fine. They put them in prison in the Eagles' homes first. Isn't it called the like, Airy? Okay, the Airy. Yes. Airy. Yep. Yep. It just, it, yeah, it's just yeah, because in Dota lore, that's where like Skyrath is from. He's from the Airy. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. See, and again, things like Dota might not even exist if it weren't for these books. Like, let's be yeah. real. I mean, <laughs> that's where a lot of lore from a lot of things comes from. Is from these. Tolkien laid the groundwork for so many things to build on. And it's crazy to me that he did it so long ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not talking like like George R. R. Martin who's doing it right now. He, I mean, this dude was far ahead of his time with this kind of writing. And it's probably why he didn't really get popular until after he died because he almost wrote this stuff at like the wrong time. Because things like this weren't nearly as acceptable as they are now. Yeah. So yeah, the Eagles they 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 end up letting them go, and then is this when they meet the shape shifting guy? Yep. They end up go. They leave, and they meet Bjorn. Bjorn, that's his name. He's cool as yep. hell. He is cool. He is a like Bo said. He's a shapeshifter, and. If he is in, he can be a human, and when he's a human, or a man, I should say, not really a human, but he looks like a, just a human man, and he's, except he's huge. I get the sense that he's, like, 12 yeah. feet tall, like, gigantic. And I, I love that he's, like, you know, he's, like, this forest dweller, and he doesn't really like people, so Gandalf makes it seem like it's just him at first, and then, like, slowly everybody else keeps coming in as yeah, he's to, telling to, the story. 
to go to Bjorn's home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's like, we can't all go at once. He doesn't really like company. One thing I do love that Tolkien does, like these, the people who were like telling the tales in the in like to tell like telling stories to other people, like are actually good storytellers themselves, and like like there there are certain people who they like they talk about stuff and like people don't believe them or or like they talk about like and everybody knows like Gandalf's telling the truth about what's actually what they're doing, and right. so like and he's like trying to entice him a little bit with the story itself, which is kind of it's interesting to me like that's. It, because that's so realistic. Sure. And it ends up being like, because Gandalf said, you know, there's only a few of us, and there's obviously there's like 15 of them, uh, Bjorn ends up, at first he was very reluctant, but then as, as Gandalf's telling this story and slowly like two two dwarves at a time are showing up, basically Bjorn's like, yeah, 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 keep coming in. Okay, go yeah, on with the he story. He just wants to hear like, the story, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I love that. I thought that well, was well because awesome. like Gandalf had planned it out on purpose. Like he was, it was he was thinking ahead, and like I think right. that's really cool. Yeah, it did it in a very, or Tolkien did it in a great way. I thought that was awesome. And so then they leave Bjorn, and they need to go now through the forest of Mirkwood, right? Right, and Gandalf leaves them. Yeah, but... Gandalf's like, I got something else to do. I'll see you guys later. And but he tells them like, do not leave the forest path. Right, Whatever he says you, you have to go straight through the forest. Bjorn tells them, "Do not drink the water. Don't like don't interact with the water. You guys have to stay. Right. You know, go straight through. Don't do anything else." And they immediately get in there and they immediately fuck that up. Because well, they didn't mean to. Like so, they no. the, the really first mistake they like they come to a river and they can't cross it, and there's it's like on a the boat path. on the other side. Yeah, and so they like hook the boat and they like pull it over. But then as they're trying to get everybody across, one of the dwarves ends up falling in the water and just instantly is asleep for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of kind of funny. It, of course, it was the super fat one. Yeah. The uh, bomber. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. I did think that was a very subtle drop, too, at that point, where we found out that uh, Bilbo has way better eyesight than the dwarves. Yeah, like Cause way, Bilbo's, way better. Yeah, because Bilbo is the only one who can see all the way across the river and can. So they're in fog, but Bilbo can see all the way across and see the boat on the far shore. So uh -huh. that's he again. He kind of saved their ass because they, they oh, couldn't it, have done it that. It gets one. worse. He that saves was... their ass so much better. So like, so basically, they're like starving in the freaking in the in the forest, and then they kind of like get all delusional and they're like start all having weird dreams right and they kind of all like and this up. well because this forest is like it messes Haunted. with you basically <laughs> it it essentially is yeah and they keep what keeps happening to them is they'll see like like lights and they'll see fires and they walk up and they're like oh there's people let's go ask them for food and as soon as they walk into the clearing with them the lights go out so like Somebody kicks the fire out that they saw. All the torches go out, and also the lights go out. Like they can't see anything at that point. It ends right. up being super dark. So they're like, it's almost as if it were by magic, right? And so they like end up getting split up. And what ends up happening is like these spiders freaking have taken them all, and they've like cocooned them, uh, cocooned them all. Except for Bil Bilbo is able to, like, get himself out, right? And, like, free himself with a sword. So Bilbo wakes up 
as one is trying to wrap him up. Like, he can feel that his feet are stuck, but that's when he wakes up, and that thing's like, it's basically, it's going to eat him before it wraps him up. It's not supposed to. So he ends up getting out, and he uses, this is where we keep getting the name Sting from, is he gets his little knife out, and he freaking kills the spider, and then... And he finds the rest of the dwarves are all cocooned. And I love this part where he puts the ring on and he starts messing with the spiders. Yeah, when he's like, calling them add a starts, cup, add a cup, add a cup. Yeah. And they like hate that word. <laughs> yeah, he's insulting these spiders. And because, again, so he puts the ring on. And after he puts the ring on, he can hear what the spiders are saying in his language. He can now understand what these spiders are saying. And... uh I thought that was awesome. And then he starts like, while he's invisible, he starts like throwing rocks at them and knocking them off the trees and killing them all. Well, and, and I these like spiders too, they are like gigantic, like, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but they weren't like adapted to fight with swords. Like they didn't really know how to deal with him having a weapon. Right. And that's why they kept calling it Sting. They were like, yeah. oh, he has a sting of his own, which was really cool. Yeah. So, so Bilbo the- saves them all again. He really does, because he, what he does is he, like, he gets rid of enough spiders. Oh, and then he, he ends up going invisible, right? And he, uh, he distracts what them that are left. There's a few of them left, and he ends up distracting them long enough that he can cut one dwarf free. And then he has to, they haul them all up onto the tree branch and cut them all free on this branch. Because these trees also are massive in this forest. Also... The movie got this part terrible. I thought they did a terrible job on this part in the movie. Simply because, like, in the movie, he just, like, runs up and he cuts them free. And they, like, fall perfectly smooth to the forest floor through spider webs that had already tangled them up. Like, what? Yeah, I don't know. Whereas he also, too, he's cutting spider. Like, when he hits the spiders with the rocks, they fall and they fall to their death when they hit the ground. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like a spider's not really like it's not made out of armor. It's just no, a spider. but I just that's just an interesting change they made for the movie, where like clearly they are in a dangerous situation because of how high up they are too. So, so Bilbo saves their ass. They all get out. They somehow I don't even remember how they get to the ground again. But then the elves show up, right? Yeah, so then the elves show up and they like take them prisoner. Yep, take all dwarves prisoner. And the elf king of the forest is also like, "Why did you keep trying to attack my fellows in their whatever in their little circles?" Because clearly the elves are magical and they were like causing the dwarves to you know have problems when they would try to approach them. And they were like, nah, we were just looking for food. We're starving. Yeah, but they were trying to find help, and they don't they don't yeah. believe them. Because Thorin doesn't really want to tell them what they are doing because he doesn't want to give them a share of the treasure. Right, he's being very cryptic because he knows if he asks for their help through the forest, they're going to want something from him. Right. And Thorin is pretty greedy, we will find. Yeah, he's super greedy. <laughs> So, but Bilbo didn't get captured by the elves. Nope, because he's Bilbo invisible. Goes invisible with his ring. Right, and up to this point, he hadn't let the dwarves know that he could go invisible. But he's invisible for like quite a few days, and he like kind of devises this plan to get them out of there. 
Yeah, and what he essentially ends up doing, the very short of it, is he goes invisible. He goes to where the wine barrels are kept from the uh, elves, and he ends up... Basically, he finds out that all the empty wine barrels get knocked into the river, and then they float downriver, and they get picked up again to get refilled. So he's like, oh, I'll let all the dwarves out, we'll all get in wine barrels, and then when they let the wine barrels go, we'll be escape. It's actually a really good plan. Like... <laughs> See, and I, I love that, like, so there actually is a flaw in his plan, and the narrator points it out, and I hadn't even thought about it. Yeah. And, and he's like, he's like, I bet you're saying, oh, stupid Bilbo, you didn't even think of this. Right, because they're, they're helping each other, because somebody has to put the lid on the barrels. Yeah. So, because they have to look like they were, you know, sealed. And uh, <laughs> Bilbo obviously puts all the lids on, and then he can't get in a barrel himself. So now right. he's... And then the elves are coming in to to release the barrels, so Bilbo goes invisible again, and the barrels all get released without him. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I thought that was funny. It is pretty funny. So yeah, then they float down the river. Because then... Bilbo ends up, <clears throat> he ends up falling into the river, right? Yeah. And he ends up grabbing onto a barrel as the barrels are floating. So he does get out of there, and then he, yeah, they end up floating down the river. And getting picked up at the bottom. Yeah. And but like Bilbo, they have, he has like a little bit of a like where he's on his own, where he like it, it. They don't talk about it very much, but it's like, but Bilbo came back with like a pie and something something that did not belong to him. I just oh, love yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought those, that was so cool, <laughs> dude. Those little touches are awesome. Yeah. I think so, so too. Again, I hate to keep doing this, but again to show like the lack of drama in the book versus the movie there is no elf that loves a dwarf in the place none there was no point to that story in the movie that was just an added thing that really didn't need to be there and and it it was the way the book did it was perfectly fine it didn't need to be there but i digress so then they like they get out of the barrels and then they're like actually kind of close to the mountain by this point, right? Yeah, because they end up in Lake Town, which Lake Town, right? At the base of the Lonely Mountain, there's a lake, and there was two towns. There was Dale, which was at the very base of the mountain, and then there was Lake Town at the other end of the lake, is how I understand it. And so, basically. When they get to Lake Town, they tell the people of Lake Town what they're doing because the people of Lake Town like capture them and they're like the people of Lake Town know who Thorin is because right. they live right there at the mountain. <clears throat> and so Thorin's like, "Look, we're going back to the mountain to reclaim all the treasure, and uh, we basically need help." And, yeah, and and they help him out. Yeah, they end up helping him by giving him like some tools and some some food and they give them new uh, ponies and that stuff to make it back to the mountain. Right. Cause they can't ride horses cause they're too small. They're too small. Yeah. It's always ponies that they have. Well, and he's so consistent about saying ponies. Oh yeah. Yeah. He never says horses. Yeah. Cause yeah, that'd be silly for a dwarf to be on a horse. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, just obviously doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I can't remember though. Do they, 
do they they end up telling them right okay we'll give you some of the treasure they tell well, the yeah, people right they do they do they they the king they tell him they'll give him part of the treasure yeah okay so then they end up <clears throat> they leave they go to the mountain because they had this map that basically said there was a back entrance to the mountain that they could get in only on like a specific day at a specific right. time because it's I like not, written in moon runes right yeah which i did not really like any of that part of the story um for the sole purpose it was much it was way too like uh convenient that after all that time they happened to show up right on the perfect time at the right day and i, did, I didn't like any of that part of it but that very right. very small detail so they get in and then they're like bilbo you have to go check it out and see if smog is still in there right so, so Bilbo, Bilbo goes, goes in, in with his yeah, ring so he's invisible and what ends up happening i love this is he goes in and he sees smog is in there and smog is basically sleeping on this giant piles of gold it's just the whole floor is nothing but gold coins and jewels and and cups and all this stuff and smog's in there sleeping and so bilbo's like oh my god you know he's still in here but bilbo's like well They'll think I just didn't come down here. So he grabs a like a chalice, basically, and he's like, I'll take this back to him to show them that I came all the way down here. And he goes, he shows them the cup. <laughs> this is what wakes Smaug up because he knows the treasure so well yeah. that he knew that one cup was missing from all the treasure. <laughs> Well, and I think it's important, too, that they're, like, away from their supplies because they're, like, up. They had to go, like, up to get to this door. So they're right. not they by had, all their had to stuff. Get like, uh, uh, they had to get, like, hoisted up to right. the door. Yeah. That's yes, right. So Smog wakes up, and and so then and then so Bilbo goes back the next day, and when he goes back there, Smog is awake, and he, so, he knows that Bilbo's there. But he can't see not, him because he's invisible. Right. He can only smell him. So and not not to take away from this, but I love the line in the book, and I can't remember it word for word. But he basically says, "Smog is like a rich person who has everything they could ever want, but they have all these other things that they don't care about and they never use. But if one of those things were ever stolen, that's the kind of wrath that a dragon has." Right. And I thought that was such an incredible, <laughs> an incredible detail that he put in there for some reason. It just like, I don't know why. I thought that line was awesome. So Bilbo like, goes It's back. exactly true. Yeah, you know? it is true. And I, I do like later when they talk about like Smog and he's like, like the things that he's doing are like vindictive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's and just because he's pissed that they basically stole. They want to steal his treasure, even though. Right. A dragon doesn't do anything with treasure other than right. It, they just, it just attracts them. Yeah. So, right, Bilbo ends up going back. Smaug is awake now because that woke him up. It woke Smaug up that he took one cup from him. And Smaug can smell him and Smaug can talk to him. And I, I like the exchange they have because Bilbo is like really coy about like who he's with and stuff. But like Smog kind of knows. I love that he's like he's like you know I ate however many ponies last night. There, that's how many there there has to be. Only right. only people who would be on ponies would be dwarves. Yep. You don't smell like a dwarf. Yep. 
Like, I, too, I love, I too, love how Bilbo, Bilbo doesn't want to tell him his name. So he's yeah. like, I'm the, ri- the rider of barrels and the, def- you know, the defeater of spiders. And he gives him all these titles instead of well, a and, name. And, and the dra- dragon dragons can tell it. if they're lying, kind of. Right. That's how I interpreted it. But I, I like, too, that uh, the dragon appreciates his titles that he gives. Yeah, he like, does. <laughs> thought that was so Smog awesome. Smog actually has quite a bit of character. He really does. And I will say, like, I I think of all the movies, the second one is my favorite. And because of Smog, and they got Smog very right. I didn't, I didn't like a lot of the things, because the interactions between the dwarves, there is no interaction between the dwarves and Smog. None. But in the movie, they had, like, all, all that exchange and stuff, and it was very unnecessary. Because essentially what happens is Smog goes outside and he's like that's fine i'll find them i'll kill them so then the dwarves come in and then smog comes back once and he can't he still can't get a hold of them through this little cave they're in so then he's like fine it must be it must be men of lake town that are helping you do this i'll just go burn lake town to the ground right so smog leaves and he goes to lake town and uh, uh, proceeds to try to burn it to the ground basically this is one of the pretty good job this (laughs) this is one of the few parts too where the camera leaves bilbo and is going to follow someone else but but it it doesn't clearly tells you that no it doesn't because what ends up happening is it it clearly tells you like you get a little bit of exchange of the dwarves and bilbo once they get in there they start finding like uh, new armor and weapons and all these things. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to go back and we're going to tell you what Smaug did once he left. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah. It, it, well, the, he's, well, I think he says, he's like, he's like, if you wanted to know what happened to Smaug, you would have to go back two days before in Lake Town. Right. Yep. I thought that was cool how he... Yeah, I like that too. I very much appreciated that he's jumping around in time, like by just a few days. But he's letting you know, so that that way you're not like, "Well, wait a minute, how did uh, how did this happen in that amount of time?" He doesn't let he doesn't make you wonder. He tells you, "No, no, no, this was like two days beforehand." Like, <laughs> and I think it's important that we mention that, like Bilbo, like one of the things he found this like huge gemstone. And he took it because he was afraid the dwarves weren't actually going to give him his share of stuff. Right. He started wondering if he was going to get his one fourteenth cut of. Yeah, so and they just... told him. They said once we. They said once we get in, you can have whatever you want as your one fourteenth cut. Yeah. So he took this. He finds out later it's called the Arkham Stone, and it was the heart of the mountain that the dwarves dug out. And it's like like one of the main reasons why Thorin even wants to be here. Yeah. We'll get into that in a minute because I think that it's it's very telling of kind of like things we are going through nowadays basically. Yeah. Um so then we get a clip of Smaug destroying Lake Town and we get a clip of Bard, this human man from Lake Town. Uh they're firing arrows up at Smaug. Can't hurt Smaug. But when Bilbo saw Smog, he realized that Smog, when he was sleeping on his side, was missing well, he, like some of he his scales. He tricked him too into like rolling over so he could look at his belly again. Right. And he saw 
that he was missing scales in one spot on his underside. And also and another bird saw this. That's correct. The thrush, thrush. right? Thrush? Thrush. thrush? thrush? Thrush, yeah. The thrush. That's right. So the thrush, this little bird, flies to Lake Town. And when Smog is burning the city to the ground, they're firing arrows at Smog. Can't hurt him, though. He's just burning them all down. He's raping their churches and burning, burning their women. Their women. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this thrush lands on Bard's shoulder as he's holding back his very last arrow. And the thrush, we find out that men of Dale are able to understand the birds. This is also something that Tolkien wasn't going to tell you until this one point, which is fine. Well, I mean, he even mentions, though, like, there's this bird, like, following them around. And, like, Bilbo says, he's like, I think it's watching us. That was way more elegantly done in the book than in the movie. Oh, I, I, see, the, I've never seen the movie, that movie, at the part in the movie at all. I've never seen the third okay. movie. Okay. Um, in the, it's, I'll just let tell you, it's way more elegant in this. Because, yes, you you see this bird, this thrush numerous times and they keep mentioning it. Like, Hey, there's that same bird. Hey, there's that same bird. That's because that bird is essentially spying on the dwarves and Bilbo to see what's going to happen. And this bird, these thrushes can talk to the men of Dale and without getting into too much backstory, Bard is technically the ruler of Dale, but Dale was burned to the ground. So, right. anyways, this bird tells him, hey, you need to aim for, like, right under his, whatever it was, like, his left. I think it's left You know, breast. close to, right, close to the center, left breast, probably where his heart would be. And so, Bard fires this one arrow, boom, sticks it, kills Smout. He's dead. He was only in the story for, like, an hour. It wasn't yeah. very long. <laughs> well, and the way he dies isn't even that dramatic. He just dies. Oh, no. And then he just cuts away. So again, he died. Was dead. Yep. <laughs> he just falls in the water, and then it, it like jumps way ahead in the future, and it's like, yeah, you know, his bones are still there, sticking up out of the water, but not nobody will go near them. And then, boom, jumps right back in, cuts back into the story, right where we left off. I thought right. that was impressive. And so it doesn't take the townspeople very long to be like, oh, the dragon's dead, so all that treasure is probably up there unguarded. So let's right, because they assume they assume one of two things happen. Either the dwarves are there because they rousted Smog, or they're dead. So they're like, well, if they're dead, we'll just go take all the treasure for ourselves now. And so they, they like basically go up to the mines, and the the dwarves have basically like reclaimed it as their kingdom. And they like yeah. have all the gates shut and shit. And the one gate that Smog busted out of, and where he busted in when he first took it over... They like barricaded it up, so you can't even. There's no gate anymore. You can't even like walk in or out of it. You have to use a rope to climb down their wall. Right. And then, so the when the men are going up there though too, right? They run into the elves because well, after yeah, we the, don't hear about that till a little bit later, I think. No, but after the dwarves escaped from the elves, that the uh, elf king is like. Oh, well, obviously we know where they're going because yeah. we know who they are. So the elves also put together an army and marched there too because now they want their cut of the treasure. Yeah, they want their monies. Yeah. So then 
we also get this awesome little exchange because that same thrush shows up and tries to talk to the dwarves. Can't talk to the dwarves because none of them know how to talk to him. So he flies off and then he comes back with an old ass raven. <laughs> yeah. And the raven can talk to the dwarves. And the, the raven kind of tells them what's happening. Yeah, and he tells them like people are coming. Yeah, the raven basically says, like, hey, you know, all the men from Lake Town. And does he tell them the elves too, right? He says yeah, the elves are coming. Well, because yeah. the elves are actually like amassing an army, aren't they? Yeah. And so uh, Thorin is like, fine, I need to get a hold of my whatever he is, cousin, uncle, yeah. cousin. Cut, uh, uncle? I can't remember either now. I'm it's hard to terrible. remember. But so basically, like, he's trying to contact, like, the bulk of the dwarves in a, in a different place so that they can defend right. this place. Yeah, because they're like, hey, man, basically tells the, the raven, he's like, hey, go tell my whatever, uh, my brother, Dine, that we took over this and now someone's trying to take it. So he needs to come fight with us. And so, so this, this is like where the Battle of the Five Armies comes from, right? Yeah, it is, because you basically have... So, what ends up happening in short order is that the elves and the humans are like, hey man, all we want is our cut, and Thorin's like, no, you guys get nothing. Because Thorin is kind of an asshole, we find out towards the end. And then, uh, Dine, is it Dine? Dime, Dime. The other dwarf army shows up, and they're basically like, hey, we're gonna fight right here. And then Gandalf is there, too, because Gandalf shows back up. And also, at one point, uh, Bilbo sneaks out of there with his ring and gives the humans, the men, his, the Arkham Stone. And he's like right. – because Bilbo is basically like, I don't want anybody to get hurt. That's basically what Bilbo's trying right. to do. Right. He's just trying to de-escalate it all. Yeah. And so what he does is he gives the Arkham Stone away to the men to, – to Bard, which Bard is a very reasonable person we find. Yeah, he's actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, he is a really good character. Well, and very the, the humans little don't – yeah, the humans don't want to take all the treasure. They just want enough to rebuild their city. That's all they want. Yeah, they just want their cut that they were told they would have. And then they just want enough to uh, repair Lake Town and also, if they could, rebuild Dale, which so – I think that was the main terms was that they want to rebuild Dale because right. they lost Dale because the, the dwarves were so greedy. Right, because, yeah, the only reason Smaug showed up and destroyed everything was because of the dwarves in the first place. Right. So basically now we have – what you got the elves the dwarves in the cave the humans and the dwarves out of the cave that's four armies right. so I there's think that's four no i actually i would only consider that three okay because so then the goblins show up because they basically have been tracking the dwarves this whole time and they know where they're going too. they think and because when the dwarves were running out of their cave they killed that goblin leader under oh their... yeah the, their king or whatever yeah, and so this other goblin is like, man, well, can't do that. Like, <laughs> I'll kill all of you now. So, and so this battle Gandalf, ensues between them all, right? Well, because Gandalf was like, look, you guys can't fight each other. He's telling the dwarves and the humans and the elves, he's like, you guys don't want to fight. And then the goblins show up, and Gandalf's like, oh, man, I thought I was, uh, I think it was going to be that quick. So, 
basically they have to make a plan like on the spot because Gandalf now he's like look elves humans and dwarves basically nobody likes goblins nobody yeah. so well and i get like, all I, like, get, I get the feeling the goblins were super strong they had a huge army well, right it sounds like they had a huge army is what it was yeah basically it was like all the goblins that were left were yeah. coming after them and so they, they start fighting, and then while they're fighting, the eagles show up to help out all the, the humans and stuff. That's yeah, the, the fifth army, show I would up. say. Well, Bjorn shows up, too. That's You're right. Bjorn does show up. Bjorn basically seals the deal because he shows up as a bear, and he just starts killing everything he can yeah. get a hold of. <laughs> and it's yeah, freaking Bjorn's awesome. Cool. And I think you're right, though. The fifth army probably is the Eagles. That's probably where the fifth army would come in. And we don't even really get a lot of battle details because Bilbo gets, like, knocked unconscious while he's invisible. Yeah, within, like, the first few minutes of the fight. Yeah. Which, you know what, though? To be honest, was a perfectly okay thing with me. Yeah, I was fine with it, too. I mean, because really, how, you know, the book would have probably been like six hours longer if he had described every single thing happening in this humongous battle. And I mean, like, one of my favorite scenes from the movie is, like, the the Battle of Helm's Deep. Like, I love that. But, like, that's, like, Bilbo's not really, like, a fighter. Right. Yeah, so the first thing he does is go invisible because he doesn't want to fight. Well, he just, he wants to stay out of the way. Yeah. And then he gets knocked out, which was awesome. Yeah. And then he wakes up like outside and he's like he's like, "Oh man, like where am I?" And then he he realizes nobody knew he was out there cuz he was fucking invisible. He's still invisible. Yeah, he's laying on the ground invisible. And then right, he like wakes up, takes his ring off and some dude is there and he's like, "Oh, yeah, you there. I was looking yeah. for you." And he's like, "We haven't been able to find you for 2 days or whatever it is." Yeah. He's like, "You were going to be declared among the dead." <laughs> He's like, this was actually the last time we were going to come look for you. Right. And then and then Bilbo has like a really touching moment with Thorin where he like apologizes for all of his hubris. Yeah, and like because getting he them into ad- so much trouble. And he admits to Thorin that he gave the humans the Arkham Stone because Thorin was pissed because that was like one of the only things Thorin wanted. And that was the thing I was going to touch on is that Thorin literally says that thing is priceless to me. It's yeah. all I want. But what's so silly is like, it, dude, it's just a rock. Like, it's just a rock. Right, but it was like a symbol of his grandfather's, like, kingship. Right. But it was also funny because he wanted that rock, and then he also wanted all the gold. He wasn't going to give anybody any of the treasure. Yeah. But it's like, what are you going to do then? Like, he was also basically saying, like, we're not going to spend any of it. We just want to keep it. It's like, dude, yeah. what's the point? It's kind of like rich people today. It's like, what's the yeah. point of having ten billions of dollars? Like, what? Why was the point like of having that much money? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting thing that he didn't really. Tolkien doesn't really go into detail about it. It was just something that stood out to me. Well, and so the the humans basically use the Arkham Stone to leverage. Just they just want to get their fair share out of him. That's right. all they're trying to do. But really, all it does is piss, piss Thorn off. This well, until after the battle, the battle. yeah. And then and after then the battle, he changes yeah. his mind, and he yeah. like actually realizes that he's being so a total he, butthole. He, he has a very touching moment with Thorin. Thorin, uh, Bilbo does, uh, and then Thorin dies. Yeah, because Thorin was weakened from the battle. Yeah, 
which is definitely i don't think he dies in the movie does he oh yeah i, I don't know i haven't seen does. it uh, i think oh uh, yeah you haven't seen it i can't remember but i want to say he does not but i can't remember now probably does someone send us an email and let me know yeah and then yell at us also <laughs> yeah we don't care just the first piece of mail is all we want <laughs> listen here dumbass <laughs> so then uh after all is said and done, basically the rest of the dwarves are like, look, yeah, absolutely, you guys all take your fair shares. Everybody take their fair share. And Bilbo's like, man, I can't even carry all this home. He's like, how about you give me one small chest of silver and one small chest of gold, and we'll call it even. Yeah, so then Bilbo and Gandalf travel back home together. And it's kind of nice because while Tolkien describes it as being a long journey, he cuts through it pretty quick. Like, yeah, he doesn't like because he could have written a whole nother book probably just on Gandalf and and Bilbo going back home. <laughs> I we also the... find out. Oh, go ahead. We, well, we find out where Gandalf was, and he's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, he's I was taking care of the wizards. necromancer." Yeah, he's like, "I had to take care of the necromancer in whatever the lands to the west. It's no big deal. It's good. It's all good." Like, yeah, and they're like, <laughs> "Okay." Yeah, nobody's like, "What do you? What?" Yeah. Just okay, it's all good. And I love that when Bilbo gets home, he gets home like in in the middle of while they're auctioning off shit from his house because they thought yeah. he was dead. I love that too. Yeah, and yep. he just buys his own stuff back. Yeah, he buys everything back with the money that he brought back, and he still is rich after he does yeah. that. And then it pretty much just ends. Yeah, it really does. It kind of ends on a very abrupt note because basically then after Bilbo gets back, he's like, well, I'm just going to write a book about everything that I just did. I'm going right. to write my me my memoirs. And he's going to call it there and back again. Which actually, the, 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 the original title of The Hobbit was called The Hobbit There and Back Again. I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. So yeah, that's The Hobbit. That's pretty much it. I mean, we... I feel like... We probably could have talked about this for about five hours, but I know oh, one, yeah. one, I know Bo's tired because I, I kind of screwed him over on this podcast tonight. And two, we, I, we mostly just think you should go listen to it for yourself because I, right. you're not going to do it justice. And I, I think we kind of hit on the points like that I like to talk about, but I mean, like, definitely the subtlety, the like, the lore in general, like this whole world is just so interesting. It feels so lived in. Like, yeah, even very even rich. like what they're yeah. trying to do, nobody cares. <laughs> like they're doing their own stuff. Yeah, because the world is going on around them. That's exactly right. right. Like, yeah, we're only talking about like fifteen characters in this massive, massive world, though. Right. And I mean, what, what's the one called? I, I need to read it now. The one about all the lore, the the Silmarillion. The Silmarillion. Yeah, and I good. mean, Tolkien. The thing is, is Tolkien has a, uh, like a lot of stories that did not. A lot of this stuff didn't even get published until after he died. Yeah. So basically, the thing is, is there's so much lore to this world that he created but like i said we get most people only know the small snapshot which is the lord of the rings and that story or those three stories i guess i should say 
is such a tiny snippet of this massive world he created. Yeah, and it really is. And I think The Hobbit's a really good jumping off point for all of that. Right, and that's that's kind of what I meant too, is like even The Hobbit compared to The Lord of the Rings, I would say this is a much better starting point for people because this one is really written relatively simple. And Once you st- for, for it being as old as it is, like it is so easy to understand. Yeah, absolutely. But that's what I was going to say is that's different once you even get into the Fellowship of the Ring is it starts getting a little bit harder language-wise basically to follow. It's not as good of a jumping-off point because – Well, and the, and those follow multiple things kind of happening at the same time instead of yes. this being like one cohesive story. Right, and I think that's that is the biggest difference is like – the Hobbit, like I said, our camera is basically trained on Bilbo for almost the entire story. And when he's when it's going to leave Bilbo, they tell you very clearly. Yeah, but, and they make it really obvious like what events they're telling you about. Right. That's where it differs from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, the Fellowship of the Ring, not so much. But once you start getting into the Two Towers and everybody starts splitting up, that's where you're going to get a lot more jumping around and it gets starts getting a little harder to follow. Right. Yeah, we definitely need to pick up the Silmarillion, though, because I've been wanting to dive into that one for a long time. Yeah, it sounds good. I would and like to only, know the lore behind it all. There's there's only a couple other books, too, that uh tolkien has like on audible i think there's more short stories that he's written that are probably only in book form but like there's also uh the children of Hurin, which is on audible and then uh tales from the perilous realm all are in his universe these are all in tolkien's universe tolkien very much so came up with this world and his world was big enough to write probably an unlimited amount of books in whereas a lot of writers you know they write one book about this one scenario and world they came up with and then the next one they're like "Ah, well let's move on to a different one like tolkien's world was so fleshed out that it's almost insane it is almost insane (laughs) so yeah i think i'm good what about you ryan you got anything else you want to say no, no, I'm definitely good. I know I I kept you way too long on this one. I know. No, it's okay. To go to bed, so I I figured at least <laughs> this, I, one, this one would at least be an hour. I was so excited to talk about this one, though, man. And I, and like I mean, I, said, I could probably yeah. sit talk for so long. Yeah, and I I I like this one. I I don't think I like it quite as much as you, but I do like it a lot. I like it, and I'm I'm excited because this is the first time I've gone through this book. Um, and I had friends even in like uh, middle school that had read this book, but I wasn't that interested in it back then. And I mean, just now, I I'm so glad I found it. Basically, it's such a good book. Yeah, such a is. simplistic. It's it's incredible how, like we were saying, the world is so complex. But this book is so simplistic in the story that it was setting out to tell. Yeah. But, so yeah, definitely highly recommended for me. 
uh, if that wasn't obvious enough already. <laughs> yeah, check it out. I think so. Check it out. Especially if you if you watch the movies and you were interested in them at all, then you'll like this. Sure. Yeah, and again, the movies are good. I'm not putting the movies down. Um, I absolutely love the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies. The Hobbit trilogy of movies, I like them because they were entertaining, like I said. Um, but for sure, do yourself a favor if you like the movies and just go through the book because the book is going to give you a lot more stuff as far as depth goes to this world than the movies did. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, yeah. I. Uh, oh, what are we doing next time, Ryan? What are we doing next time? We are doing... I don't have my phone with me. What is it? The Mistwick School for Musical yeah, Magic or something? Mistwick magic School of, of... Which is... Of, no, actually... Yeah, we, yeah, we're doing Mistwick School. And then after that, in October, the month of Spooky, we are doing The Shining. That's right. And I need to get on that, I'm sure. Because that one is going to be tough for me. So... <laughs> Why? Is it long? I think it's probably not going to be easy to follow. That's why. Oh, it's a Stephen shit. King book, man. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So if we've ever made jackasses out of ourselves, it'll probably be on that one. So. Yeah. Well, good. Then maybe we'll actually inspire some hate mail. Hey, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Some Again, legitimately too. angry mail. We just want to reiterate that. If anybody wants to get a hold of us, please do. We're still patiently waiting. So Yeah. Our email is kotpl.pod at gmail.com. Hit us with the hate mail. Please. Hit us with just a piece of mail so I know yeah, that it's it could actually literally, works. It could just be a smiley face. And I would be so – that would make my whole week. I don't think you yeah. understand. Yeah. Because I don't even know if the email works. We've gotten a couple things from from the like admins at Twitter, and that's it. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, all right. Please. Let's. Yeah. Let's We're wrap wrapping this one. one up. The Hobbit. Yeah, good. So, Go listen yes, to it. Excellent. Yeah. Definitely. Catch you guys. Yeah. In the we'll next catch one. you next time.